to understand this story, okay, this is this is huge, guys. Very, very huge. Very few people actually really understand what Paul is about to say here. This is so key. Okay, he's he's gonna then to know what he's saying, you need to know what he knew. Okay, to know what he is explaining, you need to understand what he knows because he knows the Torah well. He knows the story of the Torah that what we call the Old Testament Torah and prophets very well. And he knows the story of of um, Hagar and Sarah and Abraham and what happened there. Well, it's not really hard to understand, though, if we know the story, but people don't know the story. So then they start drawing their own conclusions, right? And so using eisegesis instead of exegesis, reading the context right. of the scripture that's given to us. So they read things into the text mm -hmm. that just isn't there. But if you know what he knows, you understand. So let's look at it that way. Okay. In verse 21, he says this, tell me you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. All right, so what happened in the story of Hagar and Sarah? Well, we have the story of how God comes to Abraham and promises that you, that Sarah will bear a son. Okay, but this is a big deal because Sarah is old of age and it's really hard for them to see how she is going to be bearing, bringing forth the son. And so the year, the time really goes by and it doesn't happen. Like it, it seems to Abraham and Sarah that this promise of God is not going to happen. And they start thinking, well, we want this promise of God to happen. We believe in the promise, but we just don't really believe in the way that God is going to bring it forth. They don't believe that it's going to happen through now through um, Sarah becoming pregnant, because for them, that's inconceivable to happen. So what they do is they get Abraham gets uh, Hagar and he t goes with Hagar and gets a child with Hagar, the slave woman. And now they want to use the slave son, the son born from slavery out of through the slavery through Hagar. And we, they want to use that son to bring forth this promise that was given to Abraham, this promise of right, this promise of actually bringing salvation to the whole world even. And so really what we are seeing and then we see God coming and saying, what have you done, guys? Why don't you trust me? And then he lets Sarah have the child and Sarah, the child of promise comes through Sarah. And through that line is even where we have now everything else come through, including Messiah and all the other descendants. So now. Here's the thing. The big distinction is the big difference between Sarah and Hagar is this. Um, Hagar, they try to use Hagar. They try to bring forth God's promise by their own works. Mm -hmm. 
They try to bring forth God's promise by what their their plans are, what they can do. Through their own flesh. By their own flesh. That's why I said that was the by the flesh, but this is the one of promise is Sarah by the promise of God. That is how the true one can come forth. That is like by the promise of Yeshua versus by our own works, our flesh, our ideas, our plans. Okay, That's what this story really is about. And now he's using this story to explain to us the, uh, the, this idea. And he is saying that these can be interpreted allegorically. He says the one woman is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. And then he says the other woman is Sarah. She is the one who brings the child of promise forth. Now, many can then think, okay, well, that means that Mount Sinai, that covenant and the laws of Mount Sinai are all laws of um, slavery. Right. And and those laws are bad for us. Those laws are not of God's plan. And but that doesn't make sense because God gave them. How are they not God's plan? Right. How are they? How would they be bad for us if God gave them? Is uh, would God give us something that's a burden and bad? Right. No. So you need to understand what does he mean by Mount Sinai? OK, because he says this, he says something amazing. He says. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. OK, for she is in slavery for children. The present Jerusalem, when Paul was writing this, and even today, this it hasn't changed. In fact, the present Jerusalem, there is a lot of slavery. Because why is it because the law is slavery? No, not at all. It is because what was given to be good was turned into something that becomes slavery. Because when you use the law of God to bring forth salvation, it becomes slavery. And that's what happened in Jerusalem. They threw out Messiah. They don't want Messiah. They thought their own works, law, works of the law can bring forth their salvation. That is slavery. So we it's it's actually twofold. We have we can have um, keeping God's law for the wrong reason. That is to bring forth salvation, be slavery or. It can be when we try and use other ideas and things, even pagan ideas and customs like the golden calf. Right. Like the golden calf. What happened also at Mount Sinai? They were given, you know, Moses was coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. God was giving forth his his law of life. Right. But what do they do? Oh, Moses is gone. We don't have the trust that he will come back. Oh, well, let's make a plan. We'll make a plan B. Just like just like Abraham and Sarah. Let's make a plan. Let's get Hagar. Right. Let's. Let's create our own promise. And what happened when they created that? 3,000 died because of their rebellion, Mm. because they chose to create their own promise out of their own works, out of their own flesh. But now we have this this wonderful contrast. contrast. Mm. In Acts 2, what happened when they accepted through faith the Holy Spirit alone. Yes. That 3000 came to salvation. 3000 came into the covenant and they were baptized. Yes. 3000 that were Mm. baptized into faith, into Yeshua because they accepted on faith. Paul is really pleading with the Galatians that he's writing to, to turn away from this, this paganism and this work salvation mindset. So brothers and sisters, do you see now that when he speaks about Mount Sinai, he's not saying what God did at Mount Sinai is bad. He's not saying what God gave at Mount Sinai, that covenant, Sinai covenant is bad. The Mosaic covenant is bad. No, he's not saying that. He's saying rather what we have done with it is Mm. what we have tried to use it for is bad because he never intended it to be used 
to bring about salvation. That was the Abrahamic covenant fulfilled in Yeshua. That was a, the salvational covenant. The Mosaic covenant was the what do we now do to, to walk more like he did? How do we walk in this holiness? How do we walk in a way that's pleasing to him? It's like, um, you know, how do I love Christina better? You know, what do I need to do? I know what does she like? What does she not like? What, what do I need to change in my life? What are the bad habits I have that really get on her nerves? Okay, these are similar to the Mosaic Covenant. God is telling us what gets on his nerves. What does he not like us to do? What it's is an he, abomination to him? And what is pleasing to him? And on top of that, he says, by the way, if you do what is pleasing to me, you will be blessed because these are things that I, I programmed into this world that if you eat these things, they will be, you will be blessed. If you don't, if you touch these things, you will be cursed. All right. It's like that kind of thing. And so then in conclusion of chapter four, we read the following. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So we are not going to be walking by our flesh. Look, our flesh does desire to work out our salvation on our own. Our flesh desires to figure it all out like Abraham and Sarah with Hagar. We try and we believe we can believe in this promise of God. We can believe that, yes, there's salvation. God wants salvation for us. But do we believe in the means of bringing about that salvation that he has promised? That's the big key. Because it's easy to believe in the salvation, but not always in the means. Do we truly believe in the means? Because if we truly believe in Yeshua as the only way, truth and life, no works that you can do can justify you before God for salvation. Do you truly believe that? Because if you don't, that is going to be slavery. You're going to then struggle with sin more than ever. You're going to be in bondage because it's only when you understand that you are set free by Messiah, that you can trust in him, that he did it right. He accomplished righteousness. And now that righteousness is imputed to me. Now that sin just falls right off me because I'm righteous. There's that empowerment that comes when we believe in him. Right. Like Paul talks about in the book of Romans, the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other and our fleshly nature yeah. rises up and makes us desire to do things that are against God's law, to do sin. Yeah. And that fleshly nature also rises up saying, well, if I just do more good things, I'll be like we, we even see in our culture or secular culture. Well, I'm a good person, so of course I'm going to heaven because I'm, I'm good. But that's good according to you and good according to you. Is that every person's good is different. It's not according to the word of God. And it takes true humility to do this. It takes true humility to be able to admit to yourself and others that without God, I am wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I cannot save myself. I am not good enough. I fail every day. I need to trust in him to pick me up every day. And when you live in that place, there's real freedom in that, in that he, you actually find yourself being empowered and you will have more grace on others as well. Just like Yeshua, even him, even though he was righteous, he had grace on others.